Here we are about halfway through the month of July, and I feel like I have already learned a lot in exploring this month's theme, Conviction. One of the things I've learned is that it can lead to some awkward moments when you ask people about their convictions. Sometimes they look at you uncomprehendingly as if they didn't hear properly. Sometimes they get something of a guilty expression as if to ask, what, why, what did you hear? (laughs) Or as if to say, hey, I may have been accused, but the charges were dropped. I have no convictions. (laughs) And then I quickly explain that I'm not talking about convictions in the legal sense, but rather in the, well, spiritual sense in the ethical sense, in the what-guides-your-life sense. Because conviction can have a few different meanings, right? And if you search the news for the word, you will find many, many, many stories related to conviction in the legal sense and precious few related to conviction in the ethical sense which may provide a small clue to why we find ourselves facing the problems we are facing at the present time. But when I clarify the kind of convictions of which I am speaking, this does, as you may have guessed, considerably lower the anxiety of the exchange. But it's still not an easy question, is it? What are your convictions? We have to first answer the question, what are convictions in the spiritual sense, in the ethical sense, in the what guides my life sense? Most dictionaries offer some version of this as a definition of conviction, a strong belief or opinion. It's not bad. Certainly convictions have something to do with things I have decided are true. And furthermore, that these things I have decided are true, I have judged to be important things. One would presumably not bother to have convictions about trivial or unimportant things. However, opinions and even beliefs connote a thought process, an intellectual affirmation of a particular proposition or perspective. Conviction while it may present as a strongly held belief or opinion, also suggests something more deeply grounded in my very being, including an emotional connection arising out of experience, requiring not only an affirmation, but a commitment. We are told we should have the courage of our convictions. Would it be the same to say the courage of my opinions? Apparently, the phrase originated from the French and meant exactly that, the courage of his opinion. I'm not even going to attempt the French. I will spare you all that. But But opinions swirl around us all the time, seemingly without much courage attached. Opinions and maybe even beliefs, depending on how you define the word, can float in and out of my life as I am influenced by what I read and learn and listen to. 
The way the words have developed in this culture, conviction feels stronger. It feels like the strongest opinions and beliefs about things that really matter combine with my experience and intention and commitment to become convictions. I don't imagine convictions floating, but rather anchoring, grounding, providing a foundation for life. Be wise, says Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, and build your house on rock. The rain falls, the floods come, and the winds blow and beat on the house, but it does not fall because it has been founded on rock. Don't be foolish and build a house on sand. The rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against that house, and it falls, and great will be its fall. Might be one of the few exclamation points in the New Testament, but there is one there. Now, one might interpret the foundation of those houses to be our convictions, right? Here's the problem with that metaphor. I'm no architect, but once a house is built, I'm guessing one does not wish to tinker much with the foundation. <clears throat> it is set. It is done. It is where I live. I may patch it or repair it or do my best to preserve it, but I don't wish to change it. In fact, I want it to be solid, sturdy, unchanging, immovable, impermeable. But when my strongly held opinions and beliefs become like rock, I run the risk of becoming like rock. Pursuing security and safety in the structure I have created, I have distanced myself from life. Simon and Garfunkel sing, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty, that none may penetrate. I am a rock. I am an island. This is how Rollo May describes it. We must be fully committed but we must also be aware at the same time that we might possibly be wrong. People who claim to be absolutely convinced that their stand is the only right one are dangerous. Such conviction is the essence not only of dogmatism, but of its more destructive cousin, fanaticism. It blocks off users from learning new truths. If we decide our convictions, our strongly held opinions and beliefs and commitments must be absolute and unchanging and impermeable, we have walled ourselves off, we have blocked new truth, we have used our convictions to disconnect from life rather than engage it. We have used our convictions to retreat from others when they are meant to guide the way we respond to others. On the other hand, if my convictions are always open to change, are they really convictions at all? How can I have the courage of my convictions when I am not convinced they're absolute? Rollo May calls this a curious paradox characteristic of every kind of courage. The seeming contradiction that we must be fully committed, but we must also be aware at the same time that we might possibly be wrong calls it a curious paradox 
I call it sacred flexibility. And when I told that parable of Jesus in another sermon, given at another congregation in another time and another place, I was told by an architect after the service that even strong foundations must incorporate a certain amount of flexibility. The integrity of the structure is actually protected by the ability to give way. Rollo May writes, the person with the courage to believe and at the same time to admit doubts is flexible and open to new learning. New learning. What do we sing each week to the children? May your minds be open to new learning. Commitment is healthiest when it is not without doubt, but in spite of doubt. To believe fully and at the same moment to have doubts is not at all a contradiction. It presupposes a greater respect for truth and awareness that truth always goes beyond anything that can be said or done in a given moment. Truth is thus a never dying process. And though I leave myself open to change because I allow for the possibility that there is room for my convictions to be further clarified, to deepen, to grow, and to be changed, this does not mean that I am not held accountable to my convictions as they exist at the present time. It is only by acting on my convictions as they exist that I open myself to new learning. It is only by allowing my convictions to connect me to others that I allow for deeper connections. And though the times we live in can feel so dark at times, I am convinced that each one of you can think of examples from your own experience in your own circles of friends and family and community and in what you learn about in the wider world of people who are doing powerfully positive work with the courage of their convictions. Gwen Watkins with Shower the People. Donna Hare Price with Learn, Connect, Play. Andy Pease on San Luis Obispo City Council, Terry Troop on the Interfaith Homeless Coalition, Gina Whitaker on People of Faith for Justice and Slow Interfaith Alliance and Race Matters, along with Ken Hill and Douglas Pillsbury, Judy Hornaday and the COO team on Community Outreach Offering. Each of the representatives from community organizations that we are honored to hear from each month in our community outreach offering, the most recent being Laura Deloy and Rich Smucker from Arts for Living. Lois Barber and Ruth Ganan with the UU Animal Ministry and Vegan Potluck. Joan Sargent with generous and sustaining support of so many community organizations. Jan Clark with Meals on Wheels and a host of other community connections. Dave Bernhardt on Transitions Mental Health Board. John Alonji with Slow Village. Jessica Lynn, Educating the World on Transgender Experience. These are just a few, just a few, and a hopelessly incomplete list. Go ahead and call out some names of people you know that are living out the courage of their convictions. Feel free. Andrea Brown, thank you. All right, I'm going to come back to you. 
Yes, thank you. Lyle Yeager, yes. I'm sure you can all think of many more. And that many of you are the people I have missed on this list. Because I find out all the time about people right here doing things that amaze and inspire and challenge me. And all that is going on in this community and think of ever-expanding circles. My friends and colleagues like Reverend Beth Johnson at Palomar UU Congregation in Vista, working with Reverend William Barber on the Poor People's Campaign. The people who gathered answering the call of Mejente in San Diego, where I was privileged to go to stand up against the inhumane treatment of immigrants. The colleagues who risked arrest along with so many others there. Arizona congregations coming together to shut down the border in support of the inherent worth and dignity of every person. People are acting with the courage of their convictions in countless ways every day, and it makes a difference in the lives of individuals and in deepening connections and in making space for hope to grow. And as I stood there in San Diego at the Mejente event, happy to be there, happy to follow the direction of the diverse group of young people that were leading the event. But as I stood there before the march began and my mind began to wander into editing the messages that appeared on signs and that were being spoken from the stage, revising them to fit my own standards and perspectives, I thought of the distinct inclination for someone at a rather advanced age like myself to stop learning, to wall myself off, to block new messages, to stop stretching, to let my flexibility lapse into stiffness and my questioning mind to fill itself instead with complaints about my aches and pains. And I returned to the courage of my convictions, which brought me to that place and to being open and willing to learn and grow and change and move with the march, finding my place, doing my part, being present to what is. The aging Ulysses says in another part of the Tennyson poem that we heard in the reading, you and I are old. Old age hath yet his honor and his toil. Death closes all, but something ere the end, some work of noble note may yet be done. Come, my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Leading to that wonderful passage, though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to seek, to strive, to find, and not to yield. Here is my conviction that love exists and that it matters. That is my rock. I have no definition of love that is satisfying or comprehensive. I trust that I will continue to find out more about it until my last breath. I learn more about it every day if I am open to it, 
from your examples and in the world at large. I fully expect that I will be striving and seeking and sometimes finding each day of my life if I act from the courage of my convictions. What though the tempest round me roars, I know that love it liveth. What though the darkness round me close, songs in the night it giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love prevails in heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Why fight it? Let's sing. <laughs>